I'm, I looked up and saw McKenna back there, and I couldn't believe it. I thought, well, she's not supposed to be here. You know, she's supposed to be in Georgia. So I think Georgia's right. Well, and looked back there and saw Brother Paul and his wife Helen and some of their family here this morning, and that just that made my day. It's uh, good to have each and every one of you here. Uh, my granddaughter Laura is here today, and I could just go on and on. We're just delighted to have each and every one of you. You'll probably remember that last week, and, and I think the week before that, I made mention of the fact that I had planned to do a short series of messages from the book of Acts, and God laid uh, these messages on my heart. I'm not sure what they are yet, but I know where I'm going. And uh, so, uh, so I ask you to, to do two things. Number one, to really pray. I mean every day, every moment you think of it, pray for our Sunday services. And, and I hope you've done that. The second thing is I ask you to do what you can to bring someone with you. And that's so very important. You never know what might come out of you bringing a guest. It might be a neighbor. It might be a relative or whoever it is. And uh, uh, you might even have to take them out to lunch to get them here. But it, it'd be well worth it. And so uh, I, I hope that you'll do that. Before I give you the text from my message, you can be turning to 2 Corinthians. And I'll get there in just a little bit. But before I do that... I want you to think about the, the fact that we, you know, we tend to divide people into different groups. We d divide them by race when in reality, according to the Bible, there's only one race and that's the human race. makes no difference what color you are. We bleed the same. We're all the same. But we divide people up like that. Uh, oftentimes, maybe unknowingly, we divide people up according to their education. You got those that ain't got no book learning, and then you got those high-fluting, uh, you know, professors in college and universities, and and we divide people up by wealth. You know how wealthy they are. Some some's poor as dirt, and some just rich as they can be. You know, and uh, you know that matters to a lot of people. Uh, we divide people up into religion, don't we? Uh, but the fact is, all of the people on this earth can be divided up into one of two groups. Everyone here this morning, you are in one of two groups. You are either saved or you're unsaved. And there's nothing in between. There's no halfway house, no stopover somewhere. You're either saved or you're lost. The title of my message this morning is, Saved and sure, or deceived and damned. Saved and sure, or you're deceived and damned. And trying to convince people that they are either saved or lost, is a, it's a tough task. In fact, without God, it would be impossible because there's no preacher that can preach well enough to convince unsaved people of their need of salvation. I don't care what they do, how long they preach, how hard they try. You just can't preach people into heaven. It takes a miracle for someone to be saved. And the only one that can do that is God. 
And over the years, I've heard people make so many foolish statements, that, and I suspect, you know, that this is the most controversial subject in all of the world because there are some folks, they don't believe in heaven or hell. They don't believe in Christ or Satan. They don't believe in right and wrong. And, and, and you know, there are others that have strong belief, but their belief is wrong. You know, they can say, well, boy, I've, I've just got a lot of faith. I, I, I think positive all of the time. I've got a good grip on things in life. But the fact is they are deceived and some of them make statements that are I'm not calling them ignorant but they make some ignorant statements um, there was a survey done several years ago in fact there's been many but this particular one really caught my attention as they kind of a man on the street sort of thing and ask people how do you get to heaven and here's some of the answers the first fellow said Ask Art Linkletter. Now, you kids don't know who Art Linkletter is, probably, but, uh, but all the older folks do. And why would somebody say that? You know, like Art Linkletter would have, he was, you know, uh, someone that worked with kids and, and things. And another one said, well, up the golden stairs. Well, I ain't never seen no golden stairs to go up. I don't have any idea what that means. Another one said, well, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. Someone else said, well, you got to be a good person. you got to be kind to people. Someone else says, well, you have to believe in God. Now, that's, boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? But let me tell you, to be saved, you got to do more than just believe there is a God. Amen. Those folks that whittled out those totem poles up north and what have you, they believe there is a God. Those folks dancing around a fire over there in dark Africa and what have you, they believe there is a God. But it's not the true and the living God. It makes a difference. Another one said, God wouldn't send you to hell. Another one said, I couldn't care less. And then others began to relate their their dream that they had had. They have a story to tell. You know, it might have been a near-death experience. Some of them even claimed that they died and went to heaven, came back. Others have visions that they depend upon or some kind of experience that they've gone through and now they feel like everything is, is all right. And it's easy to see that people are confused about this subject, about the most important thing in all of life. And it's heartbreaking. So are you sure this morning that you are saved or have you been deceived and you're damned? You, you can't afford to be wrong about that. It's not good enough to say, you know, well, I think I'll go to heaven or I hope I'll go to heaven. It's not even good enough to say, well, I know I'm going to heaven. There are people in all kinds of different religions that, that believe that. They would answer that way. I know I'm going to heaven, although they won't. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you don't need to turn there. This is just an aside verse that I'm going to use to get to my text. Chapter 4 and verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, 
It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, speaking of Satan, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan is a deceiver, and there's nothing that thrills him more than to to deceive people and to cause them to think they're going to heaven when they're not. The reason it thrills them so much is because those people who are deceived about it are the most difficult people in the world to reach with the gospel. I'm sure many of you have had an experience of sitting down with someone you love. It might be a relative. It might be one of your children. It might be one of your parents. And you've tried to reason with them over and over and over. And you just don't get anywhere. It it seems like there are blinders on their eyes. And you need to remember this, that while you are working with them, there's someone else working against them, and that's Satan. And it says he blinds the minds of those, lest the light of the gospel shine unto them. Jesus warned us about this. Over in Matthew in chapter 7, you'll remember those folks that strutted up to him. Now, these are people that really believed they were saved. And they had quite a good list of things, you know, all of these wonderful works that we have done. Well, we've even cast out demons. I mean, they've done all of these religious things. And the Lord said, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. He didn't say, I used to know you. At one time, you were one of my children, but no longer you messed up. He said, I never knew you at all. And the interesting thing about it is, when they say we're doing these good works and casting out these demons, they emphasize the fact that, Lord, we were doing that in your name. If you ask one of them to pray, they'd get up and pray and pray in Jesus' name. And yet he said, I never knew you. The Lord said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. The Lord is trying to warn us about the fact that many are deceived in regards to the matter of of salvation. You've heard me mention several times what several famous preachers have said in regards to Church members being unsaved, even Billy Graham and different ones, have said 90 or 95% of all church members are unsaved. And that was in their opinion. Now, if you're talking about all of the different churches, I believe that's exactly right. If you're talking about this church, I don't believe that's right for a moment. You say, well, what's the big difference? Well, one big difference is, is our attitude toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the main difference right there. I mean, you look at the other denominations, and most of them, they believe in you have to be baptized to be saved or join their church to be saved, or, or you have to do so many good works. And if you happen to sin, you're going to lose your salvation. The doctrine of eternal security, which basically is embraced only by Baptists and some of those that become non-denominational that used to be Baptists, 
They're the only ones that believe in eternal security. And I'll tell you what, if you don't believe in eternal security, I don't know how in the world you could have your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have all these different denominations. And, I, and again, I want to emphasize, don't go away saying, Brother Stone said 90 or 95% of all, all of the folks at Lakeway are lost. I didn't say that. I'm talking about church members, different churches and denominations. But I do believe this. I believe that we would be shocked if we knew how many of our members have never really truly been born again. I know I mentioned this last week, and I might mention it again next week. But folks, we need to get the message. And we could have several of our people stand right now and tell the story how they were raised in this church and they had made a profession of faith and it wasn't until years later they come to realize that they actually had never been born again and then they trusted Christ as their Savior. You see, just because somebody says I'm saved doesn't mean they are. Look, I'm not the judge. I'm not going to judge you, but I do want you to to examine yourself and That takes us to our text in chapter 13, verse 5. Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Now, notice the congregation that he's speaking to here. He's writing to the church at Corinth. This is a church that had a lot of problems. They were bickering and arguing and even suing one another. And so there's all kinds of difficulties, and he makes mention of that. And and he said over in chapter 13, he said, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all others. Obviously, Paul saw the need for them to examine themselves. He had warned them back in chapter 6 as he speaks about that and talks about what they used to be. And that was a stern warning to them. And he gives a long list of sins that people had committed. Their lifestyle had put a question mark on their salvation. And it's still the same today. You see people do certain things and all of a sudden you start thinking, well, I, I wonder if they've really been saved or not. Now, don't go around trying to judge people because you're not the judge. God is the only judge of that. He's the only one that really knows. But you need to examine your own heart. That's what he says. This is the command to the congregation. Examine yourselves. So he tells them what to do, and then he tells them why to do it. Notice The what? He says, examine yourselves. He didn't say examine the other members of the church. Examine yourselves. And we have, I think, a natural tendency to want to judge other people rather than ourselves. And I suspect there are times when maybe we've all questioned whether someone was really a Christian or not. The question is, have you honestly examine yourself and by examine I mean to put to the test I mean try yourself and here's why whether ye be in the faith 
You see, this isn't talking about whether you've got faith or not. Now, you need to listen very carefully to what I say next. This is not talking about whether you've got faith or not. He says, you need to examine yourself whether you be in the faith. And that phrase, the faith, speaks about the body of truth that's set forth in God's Word, which would include the gospel. And we see that repeatedly in the in the epistles where our doctrines that we believe are referred to as the faith. So he's speaking here, he's speaking here not about our confidence. He's speaking about the content of our beliefs because there's a lot of people that have faith in faith. Oh, they've got a lot of faith and their faith is in faith. But that doesn't save anyone. To be saved, you have to have faith. That is to believe the truth and to trust the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got a lot of counterfeit Christians in the world today. They believe that they believe they're saved because, because they think they're saved. I've had people say that. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Oh, yeah. How do you know? Well, because I, I, I just, I think, I think I'm saved. I, I know I'm saved. But they can never answer the question, how do you know you're saved? How do you know? And they've never really examined themselves. And notice that Paul doesn't say whether you be in the church. He doesn't say whether you be in the baptistry. He doesn't say whether or not you be in the ministry. To be saved, you have to be in the faith. You have to believe what God says about God's Son and the work that He did for fallen man. So this is the command. It's a command that not only stands for them, it's a command that ought to be considered by each and every one of us. Professing Christians, that's who those folks were. Paul had a hand in starting that church. He loved that church in spite of all of its faults. He loved that church. And he sees things in that church going on that tells him they need to examine themselves whether or not they've really been saved. Now notice the call. He says, prove your own selves. That word prove simply means to approve, it means to test, it means to examine, to see if something's genuine or not. It's a stronger word than the word examine there, and it was a word that was used in speaking about a saying for in trying metals. You know, there's fool's gold out here in the world. Just because something looks like gold doesn't mean it's gold. Something looks like a diamond doesn't mean it's a diamond. For years and years, I had a big old piece of, of quartz about that big, and parts of it looked like, a, looked like a diamond in there. But it was just plain old quartz, no diamond to it. And I'm telling you, a lot of times we can be deceived. And that's why he's saying you need to examine yourself and prove yourself, just as people would prove whether some ore is is gold or whether it's silver or whatever it is. This word's also used in reference to documentation. In in fact, it is a word that was used uh, to to speak about a document. Well, a document is something that, that proves something is genuine or not. 
I've got documentation that this is, this is proof. You walk into a pawn shop and go in there and you say, look, I've got a, I've got a painting by some famous painter or whatever. And I know it's the real thing. Or I, I've got this article and uh, I know it's a real thing because he gave it to me. But if you don't have any documentation proving that, you're not going to get anything out of it. It's worthless unless there be documentation. We, we're too worried about, I think, sometimes the undocumented people coming into the country. We need to be more worried about the undocumented members of churches today. Members who claim to be Christians and yet by their attitude, by their actions, there's no evidence of it. You know, you can, you can go to the very end and die feeling good about yourself, but listen, that's not going to keep you out of hell. Why wouldn't you want to know the truth about your spiritual condition? Sadly, there's so many folks that they're just, well, they're content with assuming that they're saved, as though assuming's going to make it a reality, but it doesn't. Now notice the contrast. He said you need to examine yourself. You need to prove yourself. Have some documentation that you are really honestly, truly a Christian. And here's the contrast. He said, except ye be reprobates. That means unapproved. He's saying document the fact that you're truly a Christian. You have to examine yourself to do that. Notice he said, except you be reprobates. That means counterfeit. It means rejected. And we can all fool others. All we've got to do is get a big old Bible, come to church every Sunday. You might even want to put on a suit and a tie if you, if, you, know, if you want to. You can use all of the religious jargon. You know, it doesn't take long to learn that. Hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. And here you are having a hallelujah hold down in church and you're so excited and clapping your hands and doing all of these things and just, just as lost as you can be. Remember this, whether you are approved or unapproved depends on what God says, not what you think. But, but preacher, I feel so good about myself and my salvation. You know, I, 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 I can't explain it. I just got this good feeling that if I die, it's going to be all right. Well, I don't know about you, but I want more than good feelings. Feelings change all of the time. Boy, there's, there's some mornings I get up and I feel like I'm, I, if I was to die, I'd go to hell. I mean, I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm on my way to heaven. Your feelings change, but the facts, the facts of God's Word never change. And the sooner you discover the truth about yourself, the better off you are. You dare not be indifferent about it. Examine yourself. Prove yourself. Find the truth about yourself because there's nothing in the world more important than that. Now, here's the challenge. And when I say challenge, don't take it lightly. Because Satan is going to use every trick in the book 
to deceive you, to mislead you, and to cause you to just dismiss what you're hearing this morning. He'll cause you to believe that all of this is unnecessary because, because I know I'm saved. It's just, you know, I'm already saved. I don't need to hear these salvation messages. Well, you need to be here next week then. If that's what you think, you need to be here next week. The title of the message next week is Everyone Needs to Hear the Gospel. I don't think I ever heard a sermon about what I'm going to preach about next week, but if you're here and you just, in your heart, you think, I know I'm a Christian, I don't need these kind of sermons. Oh, you want to find out who the two witnesses are in the book of Revelation and all of those other question marks, the things that really don't matter when it comes to the matter of your salvation. So whatever you do, do not just dismiss this as though it's unimportant. You say, well, it just troubles me to examine myself. If it does, you've got good reason to be troubled. Are you listening? If it troubles you to examine yourself, you ought to be troubled. I love it when somebody asks me if I've ever been born again. I love that. A Christian ought to rejoice whenever they reflect on the reason why they know God has saved them. That ought to make you happy. What could be more exciting than that? And for me to look at God's Word and to examine myself, well, let's go back to the beginning. The question, how do you get into heaven? Well, what would you say? How do you know you're going to heaven? Well, somebody says, well, I'm, I'm a good moral person. You know, I've, I've changed the, so much about my life. I I don't do this anymore, and I don't do that anymore. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a different person than I used to be. I made all those changes, yeah. And if it's all based on what you did, you're lost. How do I know I'm saved? It's not because I quit drinking all the other sins. In my, that, that didn't save me. It's not about the changes that you make in your life. It's about the change that Jesus Christ makes in your life. That's the difference between reformation and regeneration. Regeneration is the impartation of life. So just saying I'm a good moral person, well, you might be. I've, I've met some people, unsaved people, never claimed to be a Christian, but boy, they were great neighbors. They were really good people, but they were lost as Hogan's goat. I mean, they had no idea what was going on. Somebody says, well, I'm a religious person. So was Hitler. Yeah, he was. And he is sincere about what he was doing, as wrong as he was. Somebody else says, well, I, I, preacher, how dare you insinuate that I need to examine myself because I'm involved in Christian ministry. So was Judas. Yeah. Somebody else says, well, I, I'll never forget, I prayed a prayer. Well, I remember one time before I was saved, I prayed a prayer. I was going about 90 down Interstate 44 between, between St. Louis and Springfield. 
I went to sleep and I went off of an embankment that I don't know was probably 30 feet down to the bottom. I hit the bottom down there and blowed out two tires. And I was doing some praying whenever I woke up and I was in the middle of the air. But that didn't save me. Didn't even change me. But what is the right answer? And this is an open book test. Didn't you hate it back whenever you were in school and the teacher come in and said, clear your desk, got a test today. Well, this is an open book test because God wants you to know the right answer. There's no reason for anybody to be confused about it. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 is very clear about that. These things I've written, why? That you might know that you have eternal life. John chapter number 1 and verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And we could go on and on with all of the numerous verses that tell us exactly what it takes for us to know that we're saved. It's by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. Because if it was, you'd go around bragging about it. And on and on and on that list could go. You say, well, how do I examine myself? Well, one good way is if you, you go home and you just open up the little letter of 1 John and you read through that. It's very short. It won't take you very long. But you read through that. Really pay attention. And when you're done, do it again. And when you're done, do it again. And read that over and over and over and think about what he says in that little letter. It's very clear that God intends for us to know that we've been born again. And we can't afford to be wrong. You say, well, what are, what are we looking for when we go through there? Well, my, it, it'll just slap you in the face. You can't hardly miss it. Chapter 5 and the first three verses Tells you that if you're saved, here's one of the evidences of salvation. There will be an intense love for Christ. Then he tells us there will be an inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Then he tells us there will be an inward desire to live a holy life. Then he tells us there's an insatiable desire to see other people saved. And there's an interest in, in their welfare. And it's very blunt that... If you don't love your brother, you don't love God. As I said at the beginning, the truth is narrow. There's no room for error whatsoever. And you feeling comfortable about the fact that you've been baptized and you've joined the church or you're working in the church, that's not enough. Examine yourselves and prove yourselves that you're really a child of God. There are people that claim to be a Christian and they've never, they've never experienced the convicting power of the Holy Spirit bringing them down to their knees because they're so conscious that I am a dirty, rotten sinner. I'm on my way to a devil's hell and I deserve whatever I get. This old business of trying to tell people just pray this little old prayer and that's all it takes is nonsense. Nobody's saved until they realize they're a sinner. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins. 
And as I said, folks, look, you can't afford to be wrong about this. This is the most important issue you'll ever face in your life. Years ago, there was a, there was a fellow that became famous for having the ability to climb tall buildings without, any, without the aid of any equipment whatsoever. He just had a way of, of doing it. And then one day, he fell to his death. They rushed over to his body, and it didn't take long before they figured out why. Because when they looked in his one hand there, the last hand he was using up to climb, it was full of spider webs. He had mistaken those spider webs for the mortar that he assumed would be strong enough for him to make the shift to the other, to the other hand. Now you can go on pretending and assuming and just say, well, I'm, I'm satisfied with what I feel and what I think about my spiritual condition. But it's not up to how you feel about it. It's what God thinks about it. Now I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you this morning. And hopefully you'll examine yourself and whenever it comes out in the end, you'll be able to say, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, praise God. I know I'm saved. There's no doubt about it. I've settled it once for all. Once for all. And you could do that today. Don't dare walk out this door just thinking or hoping you're going to be saved. Because I'm telling you, if you're sincere in your heart, you can leave here knowing that you're a child of God, knowing that you'll be reunited with your loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord in heaven. Isn't that what you want yesterday at memorial service for Brother Fred? It's so good to to be able to see a family while they're grieving yet rejoicing because they know God's people never meet for the last time. There's going to be a grand reunion day when all of God's children are going to be home. And we'll gather around the throne, Revelation chapter 5. We'll gather around that throne and we'll sing over and over and over. It'll ring throughout eternity. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. All the praise, the honor, and glory will all go to Jesus. And as a child of God, you'll be a joint heir with Him. You might never have a penny to your name down here, but when you get to heaven, you'll be rich beyond compare. You might be one of those out in old book learning. You just don't know much when you get to heaven. Oh, listen, God's going to reveal to you all of the mysteries down through the ages. How wonderful it's going to be. And that's why Paul said, to die is gain. But that's only true. This is what I said yesterday. That's only true if you're a child of God. It's not gain for those that are unsaved. So would you this morning examine yourself 
or at least make the commitment that when I get home, I am going to open God's Word and I'm going to stay there in the Word of God and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek God and ask God to, to help me to see my spiritual condition. Don't just assume it'll be okay. Don't assume, well, I'm going to wait till next week. No, you might die for next week. You need to settle that here this morning. We're going to give this invitation and Brother Tim's going to come and our musicians and Brother Kenneth will be here and, and he'll take God's word. And if you say, well, preacher, I really want to be a Christian, but I'm kind of confused about it. Well, that's a whole lot better than thinking you know it all. And it's good to be honest and say I'm confused because I can be honest and say we got the answer right here in the Word of God. Father, without you, Lord, we couldn't do anything. And Lord, we just pray this morning for that man or woman, some boy or girl, that maybe this has gone on for years in their life, that uncertainty that nags at them. And over and over again, it might be in the wee hours of the morning or the late hours at night, might be whenever they're in a service like this that the Holy Spirit will begin to deal with them in their need of salvation. In some way or another, Satan will use anything to distract them from their spiritual condition and capture their attention and set it on the things of this world instead. And I'm glad, God, that you don't give up on us. That even when we reject you and we resist the wooing of the Holy Spirit, you just keep on giving us one opportunity after another. And yet we know someday, Lord, someday will be the last day that we have an opportunity to do what we should. Save those that are lost here this morning. And help those of us that have been saved to do all that's within our powers. And never, ever let our behavior put a question mark on our salvation. For we beg it in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and as we sing.